Welcome to Return to Oswald. Uh, I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by Scar and Brandon. Uh, Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I love that episode. I did not know it was the season finale either. It didn't feel like a season finale. Yeah, this this season went by real fast. Right? No, this episode felt like a season finale because it was a thousand things going on. But I didn't know before this that we were coming up on the season finale. No, I mean, I mean, it just like this season, it didn't feel like a season finale because there were only eight episodes. Right. And I'm trying to think like in the in the in season one, um, how many episodes did they have? Because it seemed like there was more to it than, you know, season two was. Like it, it felt like there was one, two, three. No, there were eight episodes in season one. I don't know why it just seemed so much longer. I blame Leon. Okay. I, I blame Jefferson King. His slow talking ass just slowed everything else down. Once he died, everything sped up. Also, the fact that there were so many different people that they introduced into this season, maybe they weren't able to focus on, like, the first season, they focused on, like, maybe a core six. And this season, it felt like there was a lot of different things going on. And so this episode and them trying to fix it or squeeze in a lot of different things, maybe it just felt like a regular episode plus third, third theory on my, on my side. It didn't feel like much got done, you know, other than Beecher, which we'll get to. It didn't really feel like anything Bruh. was achieved <laughs> Bruh, in this I was, episode. I was waiting for that. I knew that moment was coming. I didn't know it was coming this soon. But just like just like a lot of this, like a lot of this, like I I, I remember what happened. I just didn't remember this shit happening so soon. I thought it was more of a buildup to what happened to him. But bruh. Mm-mm. This shit was fucked. So before we get to the sad news, let's get to the good news. Um, oh yeah, and let's get to business. Uh, leave a five star review wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We hit two thousand listens, uh, just on the Return to Oswald feed alone. And when I tell you we got this on like four different feeds, uh, I'm not joking. Maybe five. Um, so we thank y'all for listening. We greatly appreciate it. It means a lot to us. Um, Return to Oswald has a separate feed? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. I download from the fucking, um, what you call it feed? No, if you just go on the Spotify or wherever you're listening to the show at, you can just type in HBO's Oz, colon, Return to Oswald, and it'll pop up in most places. Yeah, I typically download on the Hindsight feed. Yep, it's on the Hindsight feed. It's on the single simulcast feed. Um... And then it's on like one more, I think. But, oh, on the regular single simulcast feed, the website's uh, feed. So, yeah. Um, Let's start with some good news. (laughs) Oh, and you can leave a voicemail at 916-633-1537. Now let's start with some good news. Fuck Mark. That nigga was stupid as shit. Rebido and the Mole uh, had just finished setting up their, their, their hole, their escape tunnel. You know, and they had a pretty good system set up for it with the whole covering it up with tiles and everything. But I have been wondering, like, somebody has to see these motherfuckers. Exactly. Doing this. Somebody, somebody at some point, they're not secretive. Because every, every, every morning they come out dirty as fuck. Like, why mm-hmm. are you so dirty, dog? And just gleeful about being <laughs> so dirty. 
No, I I fuck with Reaper though and the Digger because oh, yeah, they, set no. that, they set that white supremacist up good. They did, and that's why I'm so happy about it. What happened is that um, Rebido and and the mole, and you you know I say the mole because it just takes too much time to type out fucking Agamemnon Boots Mollus, but I know his name, people. That's Don't his keep name. Telling me his name yes. is Agamemnon Boots Mollus. I know his fucking name, people. <laughs> That Would you name. type Agamemnon Boost Mollus? That shit takes two seconds to say by itself. Agamemnon Boost Mollus, bitches. So, Agamemnon. Um, so, there's too, too many syllables, bro. Right? Like that shit will fuck you up in Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, th- his name sounds like, first of all, it sounds like it could either be a chess move, the name of a chess move. Mm hmm. Or a spell in Harry Potter. One of those two. <laughs> or three things. Three things. A chess move, a spell in Harry Potter, or something that happens to you in the end of days. <laughs> like, and then the one they call Agamemnon. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds like the name of the mega beast that's coming at the end of the days. <laughs> You thought Unicron was bad. Here comes Agamemnon. Um, but Agamemnon is finished building, digging a hole. It sounds like the, it sounds like the monster that shows up after the Godzilla versus King Kong happens. Exactly. <laughs> He's going whoever wins got to fight Agamemnon, dog. Like, and that's end of days. That's what it comes out to. But um, Rebido has done nothing really. The mole's done all the work digging, as far as I can tell. Um, and he's done a great job. And as soon as they get like a wait, day wait, wait, before wait. we do get we do get at least one scene of of, of Rebido being in there because remember he was concerned at one point about trying to get past an, an obstacle and he was in the hole at that point. Okay, well we'll just say that you know the mall has done the majority of the work. Okay. Um and the day before they finish, Carl and Knott's number two show up. And they're like, We've been watching y'all dig where's where's the hole at? And uh Boost Mollus is like, what hole? And Mark's like, we saw the shit, dude. We're literally up there. <laughs> we're right there. Like, we're looking at you. And so um, Rebido takes him to the hole. He lifts up the tiles and everything. It all looks nice. They're showing him. And and Carl and, and, and Nazi bro are like, yo, we're going with you. And Rebido's like, well, you can't come with this because we're escaping at night. How that, how that work? And <laughs> like, oh, Mark yeah, was like, that. don't worry about it. We're just going to take your pod and you take our pod. And if you don't let us take your pod, we're going to fucking tell on you. So we're going so, to take your home, dog. So Boost Mollus was mad as shit. And um, Rebido was like, eh, okay. So what ends up happening before this even transpires is there's a new CO that gets put to head CO. And I want to talk about him for just one second and give him his roses. Uh, Carl Metzger is taking Whittlesey's place as the head CO in M City. Um, and I wondered, you know, personally, if the CO, if the other CEOs even got a chance to apply. Well, we've but seen him. That before. doesn't matter. I we seen he he wasn't brand new in this episode. We had seen him before. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that dude. He was over there where um, Madagascar. He was in SpongeBob. Like this I've dude actually, is- I've actually seen them doing table reads of SpongeBob, and I never put those two things together. Yo, when I found this out, I was like, I, I literally, literally did the Weebay face. Like, 
oh shit and it's not because of the work that he puts in as as a voice actor that's dope yeah good whatever it's the amount of fuck shit he does in this episode and then he just skips off and becomes a cartoon <laughs> voice actor <laughs> yeah. yeah my thing is this like i get it like you know you down you down you down with the brotherhood and so you do some things on behalf of the brotherhood cool but like the fact that you do so many things for them how is McManus and, the only one who notices something's up with this you know McManus is growing on me <laughs> McManus grows on me every fucking episode this season seriously and 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 what and, and why doesn't okay Maybe McManus is Biden this time, but like the fact that he's just like, yo, all of this shit just happened. All have connections <laughs> to him. Like, okay, so this dude just asked me to switch pods with these people. I'm like, all right, cool. I don't give a shit. And then, you know, somebody died in the fucking hole. Okay, that's weird. And um, then like all of these things keep happening all at one time so connected to this dude. And like, why doesn't talk about all of that? Why does, why does, why does he not make more a bigger stink other than asking the warden, like, yo, what you know about this nigga? So we were going to roll through all of that. Okay. In the course of this. Um, so the mole is like, yo, aren't you mad about this shit? <laughs> and uh, Reba was like, nah. <clears throat> what I've learned in odds in my days and being in odds is you, you play the cards, you play the hand you were dealt. And I'm sitting there like, damn, the Nazis are about to get out and Rebido don't give a fuck. Uh, uh niggas. <laughs> Rebido is Orange Juice Jones in this situation. He's like, but I chilled. Like, you know, like, man. And so it turns out Metzger has this uh, tattoo on his back that shows that he's a clan member um, because, of course. And um, <laughs> he becomes the head CO. Um, and so he's like, they're like the next day we're leaving. And so the next day, you know, Mark, the next night, Mark and Nazi bro climb into that hole and they're crawling on their way to freedom. And Boost Miles asked one more time, don't you care? And Rebido's like, nah. And at first you think Boost Miles is really mad about it. And then he says, somebody probably should have told him about that we can support being we put into the fucking hole. <laughs> right. And that the tunnel will collapse on them. <laughs> like, oh my God. So yeah, because because like okay, Rebido is a is is a you know, older man and he's very small. The mole is like tall and skinny. Like you put you send two regular people down that hole, it may not work the same. And you show and they they showed, I mean the, they show uh, Nazi bro trying to get around this pole. Mark gets around it because he's a little guy. I don't know why he's got power in the first place, but Nazi bro gets stuck on it and kind of knocks it over and you just hear a bit of a rumble. Um, and then you find out that that uh, the mole fucking booty trapped the fucking hole. Shout out to Data. <laughs> So um, the Maul and Rebido are sleeping like babies and Mark and Nazi bro are going to rest in peace. And this is the part where they decide to say what Mark went to jail for. Like we give a fuck. Mark Mack convicted 6196 of murder in the second degree, vandalism, hate crimes, 
oh, murder in the second degree and vandalism and hate crimes. He was sentenced to 70 years and up for parole in 40, and he died in the tunnel in uh, what, two? Two? <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about that, though? I think that if Rebido and the other old man would have got out, that they wouldn't even have given a fuck. It would have been a life situation. They'd have been like, old ass niggas. Fuck yeah. it. Yeah, just like, like good for them. Yeah, just like what happened at the end of life. It was like, do you really want to chase these niggas? No, they <laughs> just like, damn, they they dug all that. Good for them old ass motherfuckers. So Metzger is fucking pissed <laughs> and nobody cares. Like he's screaming his head off, and everybody just walking around like, eh, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then so McMahon's like, I guess I should. He calls Rebido up to his office and he asks questions about the hole. Um, and to his credit, Rebido has answers. Your pod. Yes, he dug it. Rebido, under orders from Mark Mack. Mack forced you to dig. He threatened to kill Busmalis, didn't he? Yes. The Nazi bastard. If that's true, you should have come to us. That's easy to say. The poor man was terrified. Terrified? Busmalis warned him of the dangers, but they were so anxious to go. They wouldn't listen to a word. Um, even so, these two should be punished. Well, neither one is much of a discipline problem. <laughs> you can go. So, so why didn't so why didn't McManus ask that question right, right then. then and there? They asked the question, okay, so what what was your part in this? Because like you asked me to switch this shit and I switched it and they did. Dude, right? <clears throat> but I mean McManus wants to be certain before he says something. I found that that tends to be McManus's style. Like he'll investigate, he'll probe until he's 100 percent sure because he wants to make sure that he's speaking from absolute truth before he pounces. Except about stinking ass Scott Ross. And stinking ass Scott Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we got to make a t-shirt for that nigga. Stinking ass Scott Ross. Um, so then after that, we find out that Poet uh, is working with Augustus uh, in the morgue. I didn't know Augustus was working in the morgue. I didn't know there was a fucking morgue. I mean, there has to be a morgue. Also, also, I do have this question. Mm, when they took Mark and, and, and Nazi bro out of the hole, you could clearly see that tattoo on Nazi bro. When they're in the locker room changing clothes and Metzger has that same tattoo on his back, Again, questions. The only time we saw that tattoo when he was talking to McManus, it, he he was face to face with McManus, so we saw the tattoo. He did not. Mm, yeah, like I'm certain he's seen it before. Um, <laughs> but poet and Augustus work in the morgue, um, and so Augustus is like, "Nigga, why can't stop? Won't stop, nigga. You back? Thought you was right, and what happened to that?" <laughs> and, um. Poet is like, you know, I'm, I, I, I was still addicted to drugs, fam. I was still addicted to crack and heroin. Um, and 
So I spent all my money from the books on drugs. And when I ran out of drugs, the dealer came after me. Um, and I killed that dude in self-defense, which leads to the line of this entire scene, which is this. Man. After me, man. I was defending myself. You shot a guy six times. I had to make sure the nigga was dead. <laughs> I mean, I feel him. <laughs> like, <laughs> but in all honesty, like, glibness aside, I kind of blame Saeed and McManus for this shit. For yep. him coming back to jail for like the whole nine yards. Yep, because because they didn't they didn't do their I mean they they did the work to try to get him out, but they didn't actually help him deal with the reason that he was probably there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like Which he was, was probably he, he robbed those people probably to get money for drugs, and you knew he was a drug user while he was there. You actually you actually you know Saeed actually saw him like after he got finished using drugs when he first got that money, and it's just like yo um. We need to do something about this to, to you know, like, yeah, we're going to help him get out, but we're not helping him stay out. What do you think, uh, Brandon? I think that Poet just just not ready, but I don't think that in hindsight, they should have not did what they did. I think they thought they were doing a good thing, even if it was for different reasons. But I think both of them just didn't realize that you know time in jail fucks you up <laughs> and, so, and so like sometimes you're just not going to be you know you're not going to be ready to go back to the regular world i mean i was really sitting there thinking like whose fault would i who would i put this on like who would i pin this on as far as placing blame and i place it more on saeed than i do uh, McManus because Saeed is in he's walking with Poet I mean he may not be walking with him all the time but when say when McManus would come by Poet would stop doing drugs so McManus may not know just how deep into tits Poet was mm-hmm. Saeed knows Absolutely. Saeed knows just how deep this nigga is because on the day that he was leaving, this nigga was still doing drugs and Saeed literally saw him. Like somebody should say, yo, he's not ready for this yet. And that could have been Saeed. Like, I'm not even going to talk to my publisher because he's not where he needs to be at to safely be able to transition into, you know, living life without drugs. He needs more guidance. From me, Saeed. But nope, they put him out and the nigga shot somebody. Uh, Honestly, I feel like they both had altruistic intentions, but also somewhat selfish intentions in that uh, McManus wanted to big up his school to an extent and Saeed just wanted to win. Yep. So, yeah. Me too. Anyhow, Augustus, who's God, man, <laughs> this nigga, this nigga, can you whisper? I <laughs> know. Like, uh, <laughs> <bruh. laughs> 
<laughs> like, okay, so Augustus, who earlier this season, he's running around asking everybody, rolling hey, around, man, rolling hey, around, man. sir, asking Schillinger, can you shit me out of here and shit? Don't think I forgot about that dumb shit. And right. so now, uh, after asking Schillinger if he can ship him out in a box, after asking Alvarez if he can, if there's anywhere in the medical ward that he can get out, now he and Poet are in the uh, working together in the morgue, and Augustus notices the caskets, and him and Poet work together in the morgue. They could; they're the only two in the morgue. They right. could have discussed this in the morgue. Exactly. They never known. But instead, mm-hmm. nope, these niggas is just walking through the day room. Well, they, they're strolling through the day room. Uh, and Augustus is talking about it with Poet loudly in the day room about how they can escape. Um, Kenny overhears them and asks what they're <laughs> talking about because he's talking hella loud. And Poet tells Kenny, Augustus has the nerve to side-eye Poet for telling Kenny what they're talking about. When, nigga, you've been talking about escape to everybody. Everybody. Then after that, they're still talking loud enough that Kushane hears them talking from a table away. Kushane's talking with a whole bunch of white dudes and hears them talking. And so he leans into the conversation. and He, he literally goes, leans into the conversation. His in. back is to them. He looking over his shoulder like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? And he gets into the conversation because this whole thing is fucking stupid. We got a plan. Escape out of our films. What's up, Chop? What's up? <laughs> Yo, we work in stiff patrol, right? Right. So just now, we loaded those two Aryan fucks into boxes, right, which could send a funeral home for burial. So my idea is, next time somebody dies, I get in a box instead. Hill, coffins are airtight. You die of asphyxiation. Thank you. Not if I drill some subtle little holes in the right places. Yeah, but the casket would be sealed. You'd be trapped inside. Not if I get a couple of friends of mine to come to the funeral home and break me out. Yeah, but what you gonna do with the real motherfuckers that die? Uh-huh. How hard is it to hide a couple of bodies up in Oz, son? Temporarily, at least. It's a good, good plan. plan. Yeah. Shit, I just <laughs> want to point out that for a guy in a wheelchair, it's really fucking hard to hide a body in Oz. How do you hide your wheelchair, dog? Like, okay, you get out of the wheelchair and go into the coffin. How what? do you hide your wheelchair? And what do you do once you get free? Like, are, you're just going to lay there and wait for somebody to pick you up? Like literally pick you up. <laughs> How did yeah? I don't get it. That's an excellent point. Well, no, like, he did say he's gonna call two of his boys to come to and show up. To show yeah. up. Do you know? I I know how much a wheelchair costs. I know how much a wheelchair for a dog costs. Like literally, them motherfuckers cost like four thou wow. I don't know how much it costs for a for a human, an adult, but I I would think that they're not just laying around because he wasn't in a wheelchair until he got to Oz, which means his folks will have to buy him a wheelchair and have it ready sitting there for him when he gets there. Yeah, so they're gonna have to break in the funeral home and bring in a wheelchair just to get you out. And nigga, how do you think you're gonna be inconspicuous when you're in a goddamn wheelchair? And what the kind of, I mean, I'm, I mean, I know this is the late nineties, but like, bruh, 
uh, I'm pretty sure funeral homes have some sort of security system because funeral homes bring in a lot of money. This this system, there's some things to steal in a fucking funeral home. So like you got so now you have to have two people who probably don't know to navigate this fucking funeral home. They have to break in. They have to find you with a wheelchair put you in the wheelchair and get you out with the wheelchair, get you in a vehicle with the wheelchair and yes. get out of there yes. <laughs> in enough time for the cops not to show up. There's another thing that we're not looking at here. Okay, so in the 90s, there was this show that came on Fox called America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. And it talked about all the people who had escaped from prison or whatever, whatever. And for a lot of them, they say, do not try and apprehend this person. They're extremely dangerous. They're not going to say that for Augustus. Do not try and apprehend this person. He's in a wheelchair. I'll shoot this nigga. <laughs> Everybody would try and call in on Augustus. What the fuck are you going to do? Nigga, I got stairs. <laughs> I'm at the top and you're at the bottom. What exactly is the next step here for you? Matter of fact, we got you trapped because the, the, the funeral home that they're going to take these caskets to don't have a fucking ramp. This is before they had to be uh, ADA friendly. What, what you going to do? This is the stupidest thing ever. And literally while he's talking about at the very end, fucking McManus is walking past. <laughs> and looks over at them because Poet sees McManus and gets up and walks away. So anyway. It's not suspicious at all. Like. Not at all. Not at all. Robert Sipple, the, uh, the priest who was convicted of... Uh, sexual assault, assaulting a minor, um, and had to register as a uh, sex offender, uh, comes back to the prison to talk to Sister Pete. Um, And while he's talking to Sister Pete, he lets her know that um, he's still homeless um, and that he's unable to get a job. And also that when he went to register as a sex offender, I didn't know this part, that he had to register at the same place where you get fishing licenses, hunting licenses, and all these other type of licenses. So when he went to register, the woman, uh, the well, not the woman, I, he does indicate that it's a woman. The woman behind the counter says in a very loud voice, the paperwork for the perverts is over there. <laughs> I missed that part. Damn. Yep. Yeah, she would have gotten fired. Like I, I know, I know, I ain't in the right place, but I would have raised some sort of a stink. Like, yeah, you ain't just gonna be out here, you know, shaming me. But he does, she does, and he's unable to find a job, and he's unable to find a place to live. So he's been living, uh, he's been sleeping. Did he say on the subway? I think he's been sleeping on the subway for the past four nights. Um, and so Sister Pete goes to, um. Leo and says, Hey, can he live here? And Glenn is like, Warden Glenn is like, sure, but he has to live in gin pop. Um, and then Sister Peter's like, can we get him a job or something? And Father Ray is like, well, I'll, I'll, he can come work for me. He can be an assistant. You know, Ray has been giving it a lot of thought since that last episode that he dealt with simple. And so he's trying to do the right thing. Um, they end up, Sipple ends up working with Ray and there's a inmate 
who is dying in the medical ward. And so Sippel and Father Ray go to anoint him. It's a really oh. tender moment. Um, and then the man who came, who, who Sippel molested 13 years prior uh, came to the prison to see Sippel and they talk and everything seems real like good for Sippel, honestly, way better than it should seem in Oz. And so shit falls apart pretty rapidly. Uh, Schillinger is in gin pop still, and so is Sipple. And so Schillinger comes and he talks to Sipple. Yes? How do you live with yourself? How do you? <laughs> Whatever I've done, I've done for righteous reasons. Any laws I've broken don't deserve to be laws. Jesus Christ, I just want to stop right there. That is some, um, any laws I've broken, that's, that's, that's sociopathic shit. Any laws that I broke, shit. They don't deserve to be laws anyway. But you, you, you fucking baby raper, you should be dead. Back in your cage, Schillinger. Don't make me use this. You want me to enjoy myself, then would you? Thank you, officer. Just doing my job, pal. For once, I agree with that Nazi fuck. Like, no friends in high places for Sipple, and I don't know why he wanted to come back to prison. Um... Schillinger, after this, goes to talk to Metzger to get some rec time alone with Sipple. Again. But I didn't think that Sipple would have to go because Sipple's not an inmate. Sipple should actually be able to leave the facility whenever the fuck he wants and just go, you know what? Y'all go to the rec yard. I'm going to this yard over here outside the prison because I can do that. But instead, Sipple, for some reason, goes with Metzger to the rec yard where Schillinger is waiting with Nazis to fucking crucify him. Literally, Metzger stood guard. People heard Sipple screaming. Metzger's like, you get old now, you get. And they are nailing his arms, his hands to the to the floor. They nailed his feet to the floor, and they left him there. That was fucking graphic as shit. Why yeah. do we not have a fucking camera in the rec room? By then, they should point? have, right? Why? Why? Why is there not a camera there? It's an excellent question. By this, At this point. point at this point, that should have been like in the year since, you know, the riot, they should have a camera in the rec room. At least two. One from each angle and one pointing at the window. Just Not so after fucking Leon. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, after the riots, when they had to, they had to have contractors come in and, and repair shit. They should have been like, oh, while you're here, can you put fucking cameras up here in the rec room? Because, you know, uh, when when uh, Whittlesey was talking about the budget and all, like, you know, they ain't going to just put money out there for nothing. But for this thing, 
during this time, do that. Yeah, after after Leon, like someone should have been like, yo, we have cameras in this place. At the very least, we need to put one near the entrance of that room because if they hadn't done that, then McManus would have never had to ask that question about what he asked later. Who let him in there? Because you would fucking know. Mm-hmm. And just so happened that he's asking the person to let him in. So, of course, ain't shit going to be said. But I just want to go out and say, Brandon, you can go ahead and say it because I'm going to say it. It's written right here. I'm looking at it. You've been saying it this whole fucking show. Like, not just this last season, this whole fucking show. These COs are the worst. They're the worst. They're the problem in us. The absolute worst. I mean, the, there's this there's this YouTube page that has a lot of breakdowns of Oz and stuff like that. And one of their breakdowns is of each of the gangs. And the cops are the the COs are one of the gangs. Yes. Like it's it, they are not they are not rated above or below any of the other gangs in Oz. And if you Willow's look at the best one, and she killed a person. That's saying, right? That is literally saying something. <laughs> Each CO that they've introduced in some way, shape, or form has something to do with the gang, including fucking CO Rivera, who comes up to El Cid, who has his feet up on the table. CO oh, Rivera the- tells him, get your feet off the table. Um, and they stare each other down for a moment. Metzger comes to Sid, and he's like, Raul, buddy, pal, can you do me a fave, fave, and take your feet off the table, please, for me? Huh? I'm only going to ask nice once. Hey, huh? Huh? So El Cid takes his feet off the table. And um, Metzger and, and Rivera walk away. Why does Rivera not realize that he knows this guy? That's a great question. Nigga, just because- recognize that you are in danger. Yeah, because, like, the idea that he saw that... That 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 Pignos saw him and immediately was like, "Yo, that's so and so. We need to get that motherfucker." And like, yo, if you don't, maybe you left your gang past behind, <laughs> but you still have to gang. remember. Have to remember, you have a gang past. Mm-hmm. And if he said he cleared out everybody but you, nigga, I need a transfer. Exactly. I need, I need to get out of this area right here but instead he's punk he's trying to punk him out over his feet being on the table and this happens Alvarez Rivera still got his eyes you gonna do a job man well, you're a fag Take your fucking eyes. Come and try. You're the Japanese, all right? Today, white boy. Do it today, Michael. First of all, two things. One, I fucking hate Chico. Fucking hate Chico because Chico has no power here. No. When Alvarez was in charge, Chico was sucking up to him. Now that El Cid's in charge, 
Chico sucking up to him and bullying Alvarez. He's a he's a girlfriend chameleon. You know, like you know, like the the girl that bounces from dudes to do, and then all of a sudden she likes everything that her new boyfriend likes. Dude. Like she likes his team, and she Dude, like you know my like, daughter. I didn't know you you. For those y'all who don't know, Michael and I have known each other for years, like years. Yeah. And so it kills me to tell you this. Gogo, my daughter, is a girlfriend chameleon. Oh, she's no. been a, a right because she's always been the independent one. But as soon as she got somebody that she fell in love with, she stopped being a 49er fan and now she's a Raider fan. And she likes big dogs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, you know, but it's still sad to see people lose them, themselves to impress her or please somebody else. And that's exactly what Chico's doing. But still, fuck that nigga Chico. I hope he gets stabbed up. Any thoughts, Brandon? Not on my daughter, but on Chico getting stabbed <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess Alvarez felt like he had to do it, but I feel like he didn't have to do it. What What else he have? What 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 he got? If he didn't do it, El Cid was gonna murder him. Is that what El Cid said? I believe so. I, I believe he said it last episode. No, he was like the, either you. Either you take care of him or I'm gonna take care of you was the gist that I got. I, yeah, I think I think he did say something to that effect. My thing is like, yo, they keep fucking with you just by calling you Michael. Like, <laughs> like, yo, that that is like the you think that's the biggest insult that they could give you? You imp- you already in prison, dog. Like do you, someone calling you Michael or calling you white boy saying that you're not you're not Hispanic? Like, really? This this is like the biggest fucking insult for you. All I got is my balls and my word, and I'm not breaking either of them for anybody. This thing is stupid, bro. He's stupid. Yo, I, I kinda I kinda understand though. Because this nigga is living off nothing but, you know, his name. And he's living off nothing but his, 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 the name of his family in prison. Remember, that's how he got, that's how he thought he was getting close to El Cid in the first place was by telling Sid about how his grandfather and his father both were in the prison and ran shit. He thought that this was his way. His suspicious. So when El Cid, who, yeah, very. And so when El said, um, his father is your complexion. Like that's, <laughs> I'm darker than that, man. Don't be colorizing me, man. I'm darker than that. I don't know. But um, when <clears throat> when El said he was trying to get in good with El said, he was like, "This my father, my 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 legacy was this." And El said was like, "That's cool. They were about about it, but you're not white boy." And I mean, you're a middle sibling. You know what your sib- what your older sibling could do to piss you off. And it was nothing big, but it got the fuck under your skin and just lived there. Yeah. And I think Miguel looks at El Cid like an older brother. He was like the man in the streets. Miguel's family wasn't there. His dad and his grandfather were both in prison. El Cid might have been like a father figure slash hero to his ass. I think more hero than father figure. Yeah, because if he was a father figure, they wouldn't be going through all this shit. Right. I think it was Hero from a distance. Yep. And now he's seeing that the folks that he um, idolized, just like August, just like Augustus went through the first season with Jackson, folks you idolize ain't who you think they is. Fucking role model. 
<laughs> and so um they go back to Sister Pete asking Ward and Glenn, because Sister Pete's really the only person who knew without a shadow of a doubt. She has such a good heart. But she's <laughs> the only person who cared about Sipple. And she's asking uh, Ward and Glenn, does he know who crucified Sipple? And uh, Glenn's like, uh, no, no, I don't. McManus says, I bet a CO was involved. And another level up for... The CO had to be involved. Like, how do you pull this off without a CO? So suddenly, they hear a man screaming, and the man, <laughs> I have questions, but we're going to get to that in a second. They hear a man screaming, and we don't know who it is, so they open up the door, and right outside of McManus's door, or right outside of Warden Glenn's door, wherever they're having the meeting at, it's Rivera with his eyes missing. The shit is graphic. It is yeah. literally horrifying. When How they, the fuck did he make it there to their office? When he, when they show, when they actually show it, because they don't show it at first, they just see him bleeding. But when they actually show it, that shit looked disgusting, bro. Ooh, that looked like some Walking Dead shit. How did he make it to his office? Don't know. That's an excellent question. Did somebody just bring him there and say knock? <laughs> <laughs> Was it like when when you drop your, your your little your little sister or your little brother off at school? And you're like, okay, go ahead, go ahead, and you just wait to make sure they make it safe. Um, no, it's just so, like when you when you don't have kids and you want to drop your nephew and stuff off, and you want to get rolled back into the shit, so you just bring them to the front porch and you knock on the door and get the fuck out. Get in the car. <laughs> but um, so they are they lock M City down, um, and they're looking for the inmate who did this one, but. I mean, as soon as Rivera is no longer screaming, he's going to say Miguel did it. And for some reason, they know that Miguel did it. Like, why? Because they, I mean, I would have said that L, I would have been looking for El Cid. No, because I think they mentioned something to the fact that they 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 locked it down right after that. And he's the only one that's unaccounted for. Oh, that makes sense. I was trying to figure it out. Like, how the fuck did they know that Miguel did it? But, you know, Miguel's fucked. Um, and so Miguel is hiding in Father Ray's office with blood all over him. And he has a knife to Father Ray's throat. Um, and then they find out that the only inmate with the same blood type as Rivera is Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and so McManus goes to talk to O'Reilly. And in exchange for the blood, McManus has to take Cyril out of the hole and put him in M-City. There's a bigger conversation that's about to happen. So I'm going to say that in between these parts of this conversation, Ryan gives the blood and Cyril gets moved to M-City. Now, with that said, there's this scene, two scenes together that I say combined are literally the scene of the episode for me. Um, and it's a conversation between Ray and Miguel. Miguel's already uh, blinded Rivera. The nigga is scared because he didn't want to do it in the first place. Right. Um, and he's hella scared and he's in there with, uh, father Ray and the conversation that happens from that point is just, I, I applaud seriously. Like, I'm just like, yo, okay. Miguel, you gotta think this through. I'm trying, I'm trying. There's no way out. Eventually the sword team is going to find us here. And then what are you going to do? How are you going to fight them off? They got rifles. You got shot during the ride. You want to get shot again? 
They'll fucking catch me, you know? They're gonna fucking beat the shit out of me. Miguel, I promise you I won't let them. That's fucking bullshit, man! The fuck are you gonna do? You gonna fucking hold up a crucifix? So. so hold on, hold on. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. One, one moment. Okay. Why in the world does he sound like John Travolta right now? You're going to hold up a fucking crucifix? <laughs> he sounds like John Travolta to me right then. Like, I, I heard it last time I watched it. I don't think I noticed it the first time. But, like, he sounds like John Travolta. Uh, and and it, make, it makes it, it sounds more like John Travolta because I can't see it right this second. Like, and I can only hear it. But like, I heard last time I watched this, when I watched it in preparation for this, um, I was like, yo, why does he sound like John Travolta? Like, he don't even have like a, you know, like any kind of Spanish or anything in the way that he is speaking. He just sounds like John Travolta. Play that shit again. It's, it, listen to what I'm talking about. The stories about my... My grandfather, how um, he killed the guy who um, cut out my father's tongue. Ended up in solitary, right? You know what he was like? Yeah. He spent 20 years, 20 years in solitary. Then he goes fucking crazy because of the Alzheimer's, right? I mean, the thought of that, man, the thought of that is spending the rest of my fucking life in a little fucking room. No fucking one around except a few fucking hacks. Fuck. Fuck. I tell you, man, I couldn't handle that. I couldn't handle that. No, no way. I mean, I got a problem as it is being in small places. Would it be in a little fucking room? I fucking go bugs in a day. No, 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 no. They put me in solitary. They might as well beat me to death. Miguel. We've been through a lot together, you and me. And you gotta believe me when I tell you. There's no alternative. Yes. You see that? When I did that. This far in space. Nuts. See, I know that now. You know what I should have done instead? I should have cut my fucking throat. Miguel, no. You don't know what you're talking about, all right? Just look at me. Say a prayer for me, Father. Miguel, please, no. Miguel! Miguel, no! Don't, don't, 
So then after that, wait, 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 before you go, before you okay, go, go for it. That this the this this part is the very first time I actually felt any kind of real emotion for one of these people. Right? It's the, I mean, it's the it's the first time that I actually was like, yo, I feel really bad for dude. Like he's in a situation he didn't want to fucking be in, mm-hmm. and like everything is gone to shit. And like his his only thought is like I might as well take my own life. And the moment he's getting ready to do it is when they break in and stop him and put him in the last place he wants to go because he knows it's gonna drive him crazy. I just and, felt so bad. And I just want to give, like I said, roses to Kirk Acevedo and also BD Wong. They both did an amazing job with that scene. Yes, like the way they bounce off each other and the fact that Father Ray didn't have to do none of that shit. Cause that was literally the opposite of what happened in the first season when all the gangbangers grabbed Father Ray and he was screaming to Miguel for help. And Miguel was like, no, in this situation, the COs are grabbing, the sort team is grabbing Miguel. And Father Ray still finds it in himself to try and intercede, try and stand in between them. Like, yo, I promised him you wouldn't hurt him. Not that his promises mean a thing to these COs, but right. I promised him you wouldn't hurt him. And he's like, yo, when I got this scar on my face, when I cut myself, when I found my baby was dying, which is another reflection back to how they first connected. Like the conversations that they've had have always been deep. When I thought that I, when I did this to my face, I should have done this to my throat. I should have killed myself. If Ray hadn't cared and hadn't said something, Miguel would have had the time and the opportunity to take his own life right there before those inmates or before the COs even came in. Brandon, you got any thoughts? I like this scene, but I was confused of why he even took him hostage in the first place. I guess he was just panicking. He was panicking. But yeah, just panicking. I didn't see it that would be in the smart way out. And like I said, when I was watching it, I didn't realize, I didn't think he had to do poke dude's eyes out because I didn't remember the other dude saying he was going to kill him. Oh, yeah. So the whole time I was watching this, I'm just like, yo, you brought all this on yourself. Like all of this. All of this is brought on yourself. Yeah. And I don't even, I don't even know why the other dude was even mad at him. Like that's that storyline. I didn't like that storyline. The season, Chico, because he just randomly runs up and was like, "Yo, you you act white." Like, what? Where did that come from? Like, it's so because he acts white, you wanted to kill him, and so in order for him not to act white, he had to kill another brown person to please you. Oh, like, or poke yeah, his eyes no, out. No, like, yeah. see, what that then, is? That's a bully. That's just that's just a bully getting under somebody's skin. Like I know bullies. I know them well. And they will one day. Scar, but, but one then, day. One but day. Then, but then one the, the thing about it is like afterwards when they go back to LC, and he was just like, yo. No, that's what I, I was about to play next. Okay, okay, do that. Yeah, so this happened. Alvarez. Yeah. No charge him. Attempted murder. Better that time. Solitary. Yeah. I feel bad, man, you know? I was wrong about him, you know? He did have balls. 
he's a fucking bully. Yep. And and, was- and, and the way that the way that I've experienced it as somebody who's been bullied in multiple situations by people who I've waited for somebody else to stand in the stand in the line and say, you know, this isn't right. The way that I've seen it happen is that one person of power will come in and separate one person that either they think is weak or they think is strong. And in this situation, Miguel was actually strong when it started off. And El Cid made him into somebody weak, made him doubt himself, and then made him get to the point where he said he would do something that in any other situation he wouldn't have done. Miguel wouldn't have done that. Even in the first season, we saw Miguel didn't have any beef with any COs except for the dude who laughed when his son died. Right. So this dude bullying him, poking him, prodding him. Miguel wants to get into his good graces so badly. And then Sid is just like, all right, I'm a fake like I like you. But in all honesty, I'm just using you to take care of one of my rivals. And then joking about it after after Miguel does it. And he's like, you know what? Maybe he was a good guy. Like, you don't believe that shit. You're literally just joking. And if Chico doesn't get that, Chico's stupid as shit, too. Like, this whole part was just, like, uck to me. Yeah, Chico should know he he is fucking next. Yes. He is next to get set up to do something fucking stupid. I don't know. I feel like that's his right hand. So, sometimes when you get in, when you get in good with the bully, you're safe. So, in the... Um, but in he the didn't last do anything. Episode, he didn't do anything good to get in with him. The only thing is, he came in and he said Alvarez was too white to be one of them, and then just kept fucking with him about being white, calling him white boy and calling him Michael. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. Sorry, Scar. Yeah. So like, so like the so no one and and when remember when they're they're walking back. Of course, Alvarez was like his sponsor or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, Alvarez is holding his shit and everybody is just like giving him love or whatever like that. No one did anything f- to 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 earn this dude's respect or anything like that. It's just he saw Alvarez. The first person he saw was Alvarez and was like, man, you too. You too white. You too light. You too light. He, he just he just he just went against the first person he saw. And then everyone else showed him love. And he was just like, well, fuck that guy. And, and it was so, no, no reason for him to say fuck that guy. It's just fuck that guy. You're too white. And so this was the scene from the previous episode, Brandon, where it all played out. Yeah, speaking of pussies, let me shut the fuck up. What do you want, Michael? I'm have a sit down. Just him and me. Yo, get out, man. You busted. My grandfather was in Oz for 40 years. Spent the last half in solitary. Yeah, I know. My father's in the mid here. Got his tongue cut out. Yeah, I know, man. So what? Yo, man, I used to run shit around here. You know, and I got no problem with you taking over. I mean, you all Sid, and you have cojones. But yo, ever since you came in, man, I've been low, man. I get my face in the dirt every day. 
I just want to know what I got to do to get any good graces. Change your skin, man. Too white. Man, there ain't nothing I could do about that. I'm not talking about your ass, I'm talking about right here, man. Too white. I'm not. <coughs> All right, I prove it. You tell me to do something. See that guy left by nowhere? You kidding me? Tráeme los ojos. Huh? He doesn't say it, but then when he's talking yeah. to his father, when he's talking to his father later on, I think Miguel has it in his head because he says to his father, "If I don't kill him." Or if I don't take this dude's eyes out, then he's going to come after me. I think Miguel had that in his eyes. I feel like Miguel just don't want to be the lowest man on the totem pole. I don't think, because it don't look like, like, why would Al Sid kill him? For what? That No, seriously, he's really shook. Hold on. Now, the way I see it, if I do it, I'm dead. The hacks are going to tear me apart. If I don't, Al Sid will. I don't know what to do. See, so in his head, he feels like he's fucked either way it goes. Yeah, but I just don't know where he got that from. There's nothing that we saw of Al said since he's been in the eyes that makes you think he's just going to start fucking killing people for no reason. Hey, Brandon, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever been bullied? Probably. Not that not, I remember. Not probably. If you've been bullied, you, you'd fucking know. Yeah, but where in the show have we seen Alvarez get bullied? He's getting exiled and bullied this whole time by El Cid. Where have we seen that in the show? What? In the show, in the context of the show, when has he been bullied? What, because he calls him Michael? Oh, so you calling somebody out of their name when they tell you that they don't like it, that's not... Calling someone out of their name is a long jump and a leap and a mile and a light year from if I don't do this, they're going to kill me in the context of the show. I think I think the conversation with 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 the father with Father Makata is 100 percent tells you what Alvarez's real issue is, the loneliness that he feels Mm -hmm. by being ostracized from his group. Mm. is what's driving him at this point it's it's is is that he's being ostracized he feels lonely in a place where he doesn't want to feel lonely and i think that's part of the reason why he's thinking about being in these small spaces and you know having having to go in the hole and all of that kind of stuff he is just he's going through it because like that be, that 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 loneliness that he feels is 100% fueling everything of this from his perspective. True. Right. That makes a lot more sense. That is, makes sense too, man. It makes sense. Well, your thoughts make sense, but you are, it seems like you were adding something that I didn't see in the show that probably happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying in the context of the show, because when the show wants to show you that somebody's fucking with you, they'll show you that someone's fucking with you. Like really? they show Adam BC fucking with Kenny. Like anytime, or people fucking with um, um, the crazy dude. What's his name? Um, 
the dude that got crucifixed. What is his name? Um, Simple? No. Um, the dude Schillinger hates. God, why is my favorite name? Beecher, yeah. When people were fucking with Beecher, we saw Beecher getting bullied. We saw Wangler getting bullied. Like, when we saw people fucking with them, this, what, what Scar said makes much more sense. This sounds like he doesn't want to lose his standing in his group. And to him, that's very important to him. And it's so important that he's willing to essentially put his life on the line to poke this dude's eyes out because he doesn't want to have lose his standing in his group. Yeah, and, and when he comes to him and he says, he basically said, yo, what I got to do to be down so I don't feel as lonely as I feel right now. And that's 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 all it really is. What do I have to do to not feel this lonely? But I mean, in him asking what he has to do to not feel that lonely, El Cid put him in a place where he's going to feel lonely regardless. Either I'm going to keep ostracizing yeah. you, or you're going to go to. And that and that took him to the solitary. place. And that took him to the place to where he felt like he had no choice but to actually oh. go through with this. Because when he's talking to his dad, you know, he brings the extra part in this that we never heard. He brings he brings the I, either I got to kill this guy or they're going to kill me because like uh, because of everything that he's feeling right now. I think part of this he made if if he was able to just fucking survive in Oz without being a part of that group, he yes. would be perfectly fucking fine. Yes, that's, that was my point. Yes. Thank you, Scott. That's that's what I was thinking, but I couldn't articulate. Because they're not, they're not actually like they're not actually like physically harming him. Like the only thing that they're doing is is ostracizing him and calling him white boy and calling him Michael. Like and and that that is feeding into his own feelings of this situation and driving it driving he's driving himself crazy. Yes. That's how I saw it as well. And I just thought that, you know, my whole thing with, with Alvarez is always been the same. It's you know, it, like sometimes, yo, you gotta you gotta push you gotta see the end of the light at the end of the tunnel. With like shit, like for example, like with Schillinger, right? Schillinger's a piece of shit. But when Schillinger saw that light at the end of the tunnel, like, hey man, my boys are going through this shit. I'm about to get out. You gotta whip that shit in, and then somebody will fuck with you. And he got and Schillinger got broken. And that's a reoccurring thought, reoccurring thing in the show. But the is thing, the thing that everyone gets broken. But the thing that Schillinger has that Alvarez did not foresight yes he was you know when he when he realized his situation was hopeless he went into planning mode and we yes. see the we see the fruits of that later but um but like in like you know he's been he, you know he's been planning this whole time like once he realized his shit was fucked up he was like yo i'm gonna go back to my group we got to get back on top what we got to do we got to start killing motherfuckers like we gotta yeah, start but, killing motherfuckers, and like and like he has a plan. Like he he Schillinger goes back to okay. So how do how do we get this shit back? Because okay, right. I'm not getting out of here. So how the fuck do we get this shit back? Okay. But Schillinger Schillinger also got broke first. 
that that's what I'm saying. Like the show's doing a good job of showing that no, he like people get, he didn't get he, did. he acted broke. Well, he was they tricked him. No, no, no. I'm talking about um Beecher got him. Like they tricked him, they broke him. He thought mm-hmm. he was getting out, and they and and Beecher it annoyed him so much to the point. Remember, he was running around eyes asking people to kill for him, even ran up on the Latinos and uh, and yeah. everybody to say, Hey, can y'all kill Beecher? Like Beecher got to him. Even when he saw the eye on the prize, he's like a couple weeks away from getting out. Someone still broke him. And they've shown that over and over again in this show. It was like, even when you see the sun, you can still be broken. That's true. Because all he had to do was leave that shit alone. And, yep. not, and all he had to do was leave that shit alone. And he would have been perfectly fine. But Beecher set him up. You are correct. I love that. I mean, I don't love that, that, but I love that narrative of the show, how they showed up. Return to Oswald will return after this brief break. Hey, y'all. This is Derek. We want to thank y'all so, so much for taking time out to listen to this show. What we'd like for you to do right now, wherever you're at, is screenshot your phone, iPad, or whatever you're listening to the show on, and send it to us on Twitter at Return to Oswald. We'll retweet it to everybody and show that you're a part of the family. Also, if you'll be so kind as to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast at, and subscribe and follow, we'll greatly appreciate it. Fuck me harder. Fuck me harder, Daddy. Fuck me like the I am. Put it... Daddy, I don't even care. I don't care who sees me. Them can't f- with me. They can't see a d- like yours. F- me, daddy. F- me, dad. Oh, hello. I'm Derek, and I'm the host of Ratchet Book Club. We read hood classics and good classics, and that means anything from Old Thought Next Door to The Phantom Tollbooth. We read a few chapters every episode, and then we discuss what we thought of each chapter before we get to the next one. It's pretty enlightening. Sometimes you find out things you never knew. Like, did you know that somebody's... Ratchet Book Club. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and anywhere else you really could think of good fucking podcast should be at. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasts with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. That's HBO's Oz, Return to Oswald. And again, that's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Now back to the show. So, McManus and, and, and Ryan, uh, after Ryan gives blood, uh, McManus and, and Ryan sit down and they, they talk about... Um, how Cyril sustained brain damage. And it turns out that 
it happened while Sarah was defending Ryan from an absolute mob um, because Ryan was fucking another guy's girlfriend in the closet during a fucking funeral. During a funeral, dog. I told you that's what that's what you said. You said it was some sort of you uh, before. You said it was some sort of car accident. I was like, no, I want no accident. It that wasn't no accident. Teddy's <laughs> in hand. <laughs> but then once Ryan, uh, they were fighting, and Cyril had punched one dude in the face, like. Kruh! And then he was um he had his back turned and some nigga literally hit him with the the what the fuck is that thing? Like it's not the pulpit, but it's like the the stand that the, 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 the podium. Put, it was like a podium the, or something. He hit him with a heavy ass wooden podium. Serial <laughs> serial was kind of badass though. He yeah, he was trench coat full uh, trench coat mafia. Rolled yeah, up in there was. with a big ass coat. Yeah, he was he was, he was he, it was it's like he had just saw the matrix dog like <laughs> <laughs> he was ready and so after um after they find out that Cyril had brain damage that's when Ryan went out and got drunk and went on his bender that landed him in jail mm-hmm. um and now he has to watch out for Cyril cuz Cyril's going to be in Oz for at least 60 years you know um you think they Shouldn't they give Serial less time? Like, I feel like, in, well, like, this is a TV show, but I feel like if this was real, right, if this was real, when O'Reilly admits that his his brother has uh, a mental illness and, is a, and had an accident and that he's the one that directed him to do that action, I feel like if this was real, they'd be like, hey, man, this dude probably don't need 60 years. <laughs> But they, but they told, they told Ryan that when he first got there, when he first got there, it was like, "Yo, we'll get him somewhere else." But you, oh yeah, to, you're right. That's you have right. to admit that you put him up to this, and then, you know, and he was just like, "Nah, son, I'm not doing this." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, like it, it was, it was, it was Ryan's fault that he didn't get to the place where he needed to be. Ryan mm-hmm. never learns, bro. I thought when I heard this conversation with Madness, I'm like, okay, look, look at him. Fi- it took all this, but he finally learned something. Then five minutes later, he's right back in the shits. But but before that happened, um, when he confessed to the murder of Mr. Nathan, oh, I'm fucking, um, he he confessed to, Mr., to the murder of Mr. Nathan while Gloria's sitting right there watching. Like she literally witnesses him confessing to the murder of her. Uh, ex-husband and so yeah, after that estranged husband they weren't strained yeah yeah and so she also that, has a type by the way me, me, yeah she does <laughs> and so after that uh she's in her office and this happens mcmahon still can't read a room hey hey how are you This morning I cleaned out Preston's closet, boxed up his things from his chest of drawers. The man had seven mismatched cufflinks. Who saves one cufflink? You lose one, you throw the other one away. Who even wears cufflinks these days? Preston had style. Yeah. You hungry? You wanna have dinner or something? Oh, no, thanks. Not like a date or anything. 
Uh, I gotta ask you something about O'Reilly. Do you think he really loves you? Yeah. No one will ever love me as much as Ryan O'Reilly. And I have to live with that fact every day for the rest of my life. Hey, 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 Gloria. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey! Your your husband's your husband had style, but now that he dinner? did, now that he did, <laughs> like, all he was trying to do was just be a good friend. So Didn't he, he tell somebody earlier? Like, no, yeah, when he when um when Warden Glenn when they found out that Rivera was outside that door, which I still don't know how that happened with no eyeballs. Like, how he make it back to the snack bar? Um. Warden Glenn was offering with like I have tickets for the Knights to go play against Chicago and he said to uh, McManus do you want to go and McManus was like I have a date it was, was that the same day though because you know how Oz is <laughs> the time. it could have been a year later <laughs> <laughs> we never know how this is show is with time look y'all I see how y'all are y'all y'all the type of men who think that women and men can't be friends? It can't be platonic. I see where y'all are. No, but Don't I see the type of man who assumes shit. I'm just saying that, like, she literally. This is probably not the best time to ask that, and then follow it up with, "Do you think Ryan really loved you?" Yeah, I didn't know what that one was about. I guess he was curious. Why? Well, I, I, I don't mean, care how a, curious you are. Like, be curious. It was to an yourself. interesting answer. Yes, That's a good answer. Very good answer. Like, yo, I felt that. Like, he loved her more than anybody. He loved her so much he committed murder, and now she's going to live with that. Um, speaking of uh, love, Beecher is in love with Keller. Uh, he's been drinking himself into a stoop into a stupor after Keller got put in the hole. Um, Keller gets out the hole, and um, Beecher is literally so happy to see him. Um, this scene like hurt my heart. Puppy. It broke my heart. Um, it didn't because I knew what was coming. I remember what was coming. I I was like, oh shit, this <laughs> happened in this episode. And so uh, when Keller gets released from the hole, Beecher literally looks like my puppy when I come into the house. Right. And Keller just plays him for a chump. Trish, at last. Give me a kiss. You drunk. <laughs> Bet your ass I am. Uh, did you miss me? Christ, I missed you. Come on. Let's fuck. I don't want to fuck you, Beach. I don't want to be in the same room with you. Where are you going? Chris, hey, don't fucking touch me. Chris, go away. Are, are you mad at me about something? Look, forget it. No, I said tell forget me. it. No, if, if I did something, I'm sorry. You know, well, I didn't mean to do it. voice down, huh? Look, I had a lot of time to think about things in the hall, and one of the things I've decided on is you and me are through. Jesus, what did I do? Look, we'll talk about this when you're sober. Chris, what did I do? Leave me alone. If it's the drinking, I can stop. I can stop the drinking. I can. 
Chris. The only reason why I can say that I felt bad for Beecher is because I've been Beecher before. Like, I've, I've been Beecher. In this moment, I've been that person's, like... How fucked up is Beecher, though? This motherfucker thought that he was about to fuck this man in the middle of the daytime when everybody's just sitting around playing cards? He's happy to see him, that's, dog. That's the drinking. Yeah, like, yo, I'm happy to see you, but he comes out as drinking, I'm drunk, let's fuck. Give me yeah, kiss. You're not supposed to be kissing how, in public either. How fucked up was he? Even oh, he was, he had finished that whole bottle of uh I'm not gonna play it again because Scar hates it. It's it's two in the afternoon. Niggas playing spades and dominoes right next to the room, and he like, yo, let's go fuck. Yo, he had we don't have no curtains. I, I think at the very least they were gonna go to the showers. Like, listen. Yeah. But I mean, um, after after uh, Keller does him dirty, Beecher goes right back over and gets him some of that um, from, he goes to Chico. Tennessee whiskey. It's that time. He so got the connections. Huh? He got all the connections. So, right? So Chico's more willing to sell him a big ass bottle of Jack Daniels and he's getting even drunker. And, uh, Keller goes and tells um, uh, Schillinger, yo, Beecher's right on the edge. And Schillinger's like, well, let's push him over. And of course, at that point in time, Metzger is involved and he's the one who walks. He tells Beecher he looks like warmed over shit as he looks as he lets him into the gym. Again, the rec area. Schillinger and Keller are waiting in a wrestling position. This is the first time the Beecher has seen that Keller and Schillinger are walk, working together. He loses it. Metzger holds uh, Beecher, holds his arms behind his back and everything, subdues him, while Keller tells Beecher that um, him and Schillinger have known each other for years. The glee in Schillinger when he waves to him, it's like, <laughs> hello! Buddy. Like he was just <laughs> like yo, that that's that's acting right there, bro. And so uh he's like, yo, no, what me. that was was that was J. Jonah Jameson finally catching Spider-Man in the act. <laughs> exactly. That's what that was. And uh Keller, to his credit, plays it like a king. You and him. So uh, oh, yeah, we've known each other a long time. I've known Vern since uh, we were both doing time up in Lardner. I was 17 and, uh, you know, he saved my life from some big, dumb nigga who wanted me to be his brat. No, I think so. I've owed him ever since. But I love you. I've never loved you, not for a second. So, Keller says, let him go. Gets into the wrestling position. Metzger lets Beecher go. 
because of course right. the, the the teacher teaches the student but the teacher don't teach the student everything didn't teach him everything keller said it's for real this time and breaks both of his arms and his legs well technically schillinger breaks one of the legs yes while screaming zig how zig fucking how never go to i would gym. love to be minus the racism i would give anything to be as happy as Schillinger was in that moment I told at some you, point in my life. His glee is infectious. I've but, never been that happy about anything in my entire life. Never. Maybe childbirth will make me feel like that. Because that, that must be what childbirth is like. Yeah, because no, no, I've I, never no, seen anybody that happy. quite like that. Doesn't, nope. No, it, you know, you know what you know what that does actually for you? For for a lot of dudes that I've talked to, makes you horny. Um <laughs> It's, it's weird. It's oh, weird. Like it's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it doesn't make you feel that. It doesn't make you feel that kind of glee. No. And I mean, so again, nobody fucking knows who let Beecher into the gym. And okay, Mester's- I got hold on. I got to say something about this because this pissed me the fuck off. Beecher is wide awake in the goddamn in the goddamn bed. Just I thought the same thing. Beecher. I I said the same thing. I thought that exactly. He is on fire. He is just laying there going. The last thing I would want to do is piss off a crazy person. After a cra- after this person already fucking tied me down with weights and shat on me in a gym. No, like you should have <laughs> killed him. Like you killed that person. They need that's to just your close, revenge. They need to close the goddamn gym down. Yes. <laughs> your revenge needs to be murder. If someone's willing to do that to you and you decide not to kill them, then whatever happens to you after that is is that's on you, buddy. <laughs> so McManus says, who did, who let Beecher in? And Metzger's like, he'll find out. Now, all of a sudden, McManus goes to Glenn and asks what he knows about Metzger um, because there's an investigation. Tim's going to do his own investigation. He has a bad feeling about the guy. Yeah, because he, he went to he went to him and was like, who let him in there? He's like, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> it's like, it was you, Fredo. <laughs> And so the next thing that happens after uh, Schillinger gets his revenge, this is this is it. This is it. Like he looked like a kid who has been told, if you're still here in two years and you remember, I will buy you this thing. And two years passes and they actually follow through. And then you get to break their arms and legs and kill their wife. Now this reminded me of like allegedly. Allegedly. This reminded me of this reminded me of Attitude Era Wrestling when they did this, they did this like storyline of who the higher power is. Like who's the Undertaker's higher power was fucking with Steve Austin. And then at the end, it ends up being Vince McMahon and he rips the fucking hood off and he goes, It was me. It was me. It was me all along. That's how cylinder it was. It was like, it was me this whole time. <laughs> or, or Brandon, and this one uh, before the Attitude Era, but still within it, like Attitude uh, Adjacent, 
when Test is getting ready to marry <laughs> Stephanie McMahon. This isn't funny in this day and age now that I think about it. And they saw a video of Triple H going through the drive-through wedding place with Stephanie McMahon and having drugged her up, pantomimed her voice saying, I do, and marrying her before Tess could marry her. Now, the only reason why it's still funny to me is because in storyline, Stephanie was never drugged. She was acting, and it was mm -hmm. all a ploy to get back at Vince. Mm -hmm. So and I Stephanie ended up being that. a villain after that. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> so Napa stole, uh, stole, Napa stole Adebisi's tits, and uh, Kenny and Say Man 2 want to ride on Napa to get him back. Uh, but Adebisi is still really calm uh, because he's been talking to Jara, the old dude. And so he's still lying in his bed and that pisses Kenny off. Uh, Kenny's like, Adebisi hasn't gotten out of his bed for the past few days. Uh, Kenny's been covering for him in the kitchen and he's sick of it. And Adebisi calmly hops off the bed, goes over to Kenny and asks Kenny, are you giving me orders? <laughs> <laughs> is that how this supposed to work now are you giving me orders now kenny little man and i think kenny remember his face getting mushed into the glass of the pot so he, <laughs> you know he doesn't say anything else um he goes adabisi then goes and he talks to yara the old dude who convinces adabisi to give up the drugs and the violence and walk the path of his homeland uh we then find out that his name is kepi kimmy uh yara he was convicted on August 19th, 1998, a criminally negligent homicide. Uh, his sentence was 20 years, but he's up for parole in eight. Um, Ryan O'Reilly and Kenny are walking after, um, after we find that Adebisi is clean of drugs and violence. We have no idea how much time has passed since uh, Adebisi had that talk, but he's now completely clean and he's talking <laughs> to Sister Pete. Well, Simon, your urine test came in negative. You see, I'm drug free. Yeah, that's great. So how are you feeling physically? Detox. <laughs> I'm the heart of a lion, sister. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'll be. You actually look happy. You're right. Oh, it's not in all that shit. I was avoiding something myself. But you know, since the first time I came to Oz, I found Ali. Family. He found uh, he found Yara, who's from his same uh, the same city and, and country that he's from, and he's found family. So now he doesn't have to do drugs anymore. Um, for some reason, that pisses off Napa. So Ryan, who's working both sides as per usual, uh, is talking with Napa, and, and, and Napa's like, yo, I, I want Yara dead. He tells Chucky that. Um, and I think it's because Adebisi fucks with Yara. But I don't understand that part. Because if, like, with Adebisi under this under this guy's thrall or whatever you want to call he's it. He's no longer a threat. 
He's no longer a threat. He's completely out of the way. He's not he's standing in the way of the business or nothing. You got the business because he's not paying attention because he's following this guy. So why do you need to kill him? I don't understand that. And so I don't know either. But Napa comes to Kenny and tries to set up a truce. But in order for the truce to come through, Kenny has to kill Yara. Uh, so the next day in the kitchen, while Adebisi is getting... Hold on, also, also, does everyone at Oz have to be racist? Like, literally, every person that, every person had to be racist? Not that I, like, soon as they walk in, Kenny goes, oh shit, smells like garlic in here. <laughs> like, bro, I've never even heard that. I've never even heard that one before. <laughs> maybe I'm not up on uh, Italian racism, so maybe that is a thing. But I had never heard that one before. And I'm like, God damn it, man. No one is, no one's, no one's in Oz on accident. Like, no mm-hmm. one just made one bad decision. Like, they're a good person. They just made a bad decision. They end up in prison. There's no one that. Oh, yeah, Beecher. Yeah, Beecher, Beecher is. Um, and the Muslims tend to seem pretty non racist. Yeah, that's true. That's about it. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. So the next day, while Adabisi is getting more corn, Kenny and Say Man Part Two kill Yara. Um, Adabisi hears the aftermath and or sees the aftermath, and he starts hearing drums like immediately. Like, do y'all hear the drums? And so he strips down to his skivvies and his half-on socks and start dancing in uh, Yara's memory as Napa, Chucky, Kenny, and Say Man Two watch. For some reason, after Say Man and Kenny stab up Yara, they take the knife and they put it into the sink, into soapy water that doesn't wash away fingerprints. Also, the COs run right past all these people who are standing there watching. They grab up uh, Adebisi and they take him to the psych ward um, right next door to where Peter uh, Shibeta is. I didn't know what I was supposed to think in this scene. Me neither. Except I am waiting for next season when Adebisi comes back and fucks all these niggas up. That's because. all I could think of. I don't even, honestly, listeners, I am to the point, we are at the point now where I don't, I don't remember any part past this. I just remember bits and episodes past this. Right. I just feel like Adebisi somehow going to get out the psych ward and he's going to fuck all three of these motherfuckers, all four of these motherfuckers the fuck up. If I'm Chucky, I wouldn't even have wanted to do it because Adebisi done already brained me with a fucking can of corn. <laughs> Told you to stay down like a fucking dog. Right? Adebisi had a moment there, though. Yeah, like, what the fuck is Kenny moment. about to do? Well, Kenny what is Kenny going to do like to had nothing to do with it. Huh. Huh. There was only three niggas in there. Say man two don't even have a name yet. <laughs> He'll right. die first. Kenny gonna get it. Napa Tio Salamanca, he gonna get it, but Kenny's really gonna get it. Kenny don't have no integrity. He gonna blame the other person. I'm yep. sure he will. I mean, <laughs> right after that shit happened, he immediately pinned the shit on Adabisi. Like, and it was so fucking unconvincing the way that he yeah. bended on her. How can you right. not know what happened? I don't know what happened. Adebisi has been going through detox and acting all crazy lately. And then he goes and stabs that sweet old man. That sweet old man. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, though. This, that was good. This and was Bodie. 
but then the, but then the, the crazy part about it is like with sister pete sister pete was just like yo um you actually seem happy and so like his story about him going crazy because of the detox is completely not backed up by what's happening in the rest of the world like none of this is actually happening he is not going crazy he hasn't done anything crazy he's kept to his fucking self Um, sister pete said that he's happy he's clean he did kind of do something crazy. Like, can we not? Can we be out of undies and dancing and shit? <laughs> can we be honest? If you saw someone do that, and then someone said that person's been acting crazy, are you gonna are you gonna disagree with them? Uh, you you're right. That part. <laughs> and then like and then like the dancing the dancing and still tossing niggas to the side while dancing. <laughs> yes, yes. He was giving them Ricky Steamboat <laughs> hip tosses. Yeah, he he basically he basically was like the next to the last person in the Royal Rumble. He just cleaned out everybody. I am a real American. <laughs> basically, basically, it's he Hulk Hogan the fuck out of those dudes, and then pointed, but he didn't point. But you know, Kenny, he's coming after you, brother. <laughs> so this nigga literally that was that was that was the closest I've seen Kenny at like Bodie in a long time because. That felt like something Bodie would have said to fucking um, one of the like like hey, one man. of the fucking cops in the wire. My mind is no longer there. I'm on Oz now. Oh, yeah, he was defending Avon. Yeah, um, but Saeed has written another book. Also, he's completely written poet off, and he's written himself off too. Um, like he's I, when I say that I never thought that I'd say Saeed has given up all hope when he's talking to McManus. This seems like that day that he realized how much time he's got left. Saeed. Yes. I'll take him back to him city. It's about poet. I've tried talking to him several times, but he's completely closed himself off to me. Have you talked to him? What's the point? Well, to try to reach him, to start over. I've done everything I could to help that boy. So have you. I'm done with him. Hey, wait a second. What's this? Where's your every soul is redeemable, never give up attitude? Yeah, where is it, Manus? You know, when I was arrested, I thought to myself, hey, this is the will of Allah. I can go to Oz and I can help my brothers. And you haven't. I feel the same way sometimes. Oh, I know you do, McManus. I see you. The difference is you can go home every night. You're free to quit, get yourself another job. I'm going to be here for another 17 years. I'm thinking a lot lately about what else I could have done with that time. You mean like have a family? You still can, when you get out. You're not too old. After two decades in maximum security, what the hell would I have to offer a wife? What could I have for a child? Your faith. I thought your faith sustained you. It does. Most of the time.
you think about his, that, Brandon? And his ego does the rest. See, I I understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, everybody has a breaking point. Like everybody's just like, I can only try so many times. And at this point, I feel like I failed. And maybe he was just in a down moment, right? Like I think well, I think we do see that he just had a down moment by the end of the episode. Uh, of some sort, although I have conflicting thoughts about what's to come. Um, but it seems like he had a down moment, he had a down day. And at that point, when he's talking to McManus, it all set in. I'm in this fucking mm-hmm. place for 17 more years. Every person I've tried to help genuinely has come, backfired on me. Ain't no like, genuine to that. That's, it's, that's not genuine. He's tried to help people genuinely. For real? Are you? Yes. There's been people, he's tried to help people genuinely. Now, just because he gets something out of it doesn't mean he's not trying to help someone. If I'm a therapist and I get paid, that don't mean I'm still not trying to help people. I'm still trying to help people. I just happen to get paid for my work. All of this is, I think all of this is fueled by his ego and he's taken several large L's recently. So now he just feels bad for himself because of these L's he keep taking. And but that's but that's personal, and because those L's are personal, then that means the things that he did to get those L's have to be personal. Well, yeah, you're gonna feel some type of way if you had if you were a big brother, right? Let's say you joined Big Brother Big Sister and you had someone for a couple of years and you Never keep me. trying. I don't like kids. <laughs> and you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying and it just keeps failing, and then you get another one and you're not and you keep trying. At some point, you're going to look within and be like, bro, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, what am I doing? How am I letting these people down? And what does that say about me that I can't make this work? And yeah, he's had some selfish reasons. I said it on the show many times. But ultimately, I don't think Saeed, like I said from the very beginning, I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he's a good dude with an ego. And there's a lot of good people with egos. That don't shock me. I feel you both. Both sides are right. <laughs> both sides are right. <laughs> I see what you did there. So uh, then, after he's in his lowest moment, he finds out that Governor Devlin might give him clemency. Um, now, this I really sat on for a while. I thought about this for a long time. We're going to talk about this in a second. But yeah, the way this played out was just. Have a seat. Saeed, every year the governor grants clemency for a number of prisoners. Just around Christmas time. This year he's decided to do two special releases, one for Passover, one for Ramadan. I know all about this. I've been working with other Islamic leaders trying to get the governor to initiate it. Right. Devlin's asked us to go over the case files of our Muslim prisoners and recommend a candidate. But he specifically wanted us to consider you. a trick, right? There has to be strings attached. Exactly what do I have to give up to gain my freedom? Nothing. The big question is, if the governor offers clemency, will you take it? Happy for whichever one of us is chosen. Yeah, especially if it's you. 
I'm sorry. It's just that I have children. I know they're being careful, but it's not the same thing. They miss me. I miss them. I know. Do you? So, we don't know shit about a reef. Uh, I mean... We don't know what the it, nigga's in there for. We've only but, known him to be a loyal right-hand man to uh, Saeed. But he located some sauce. He is right? saucy. <laughs> he is like, saucy as fuck in this shit. Like, yo. And he's like, yo. If I don't get chosen... He's not saying it out loud, but dude has a family. Like, I want to get chosen. It, it doesn't matter who gets chosen to you. Like, I need to get out of here. Um, but I didn't expect Arif, who has always been Saeed's literal right hand, to become this person. He turns into literally... Mr. Fuck Saeed. Like he 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 starts acting quite like um what was the dude's name who the light skinned dude who uh was trying to hate on Saeed in the first place. He turns into him real quick and niggas were ready to roll him up too. It's all about Saeed. That's it's the will of the law. Come on, man. All of a sudden it's all about Saeed up in this bitch. And, fighting and all that kind of stuff and it's like yo where is coming from a reef like what what you mad about he needs to get out because he knows he knows what's gonna happen he knows that the the this whole thing is about is is about saeed mm -hmm. and and like the best thing that the governor could do especially because he keep writing these books and shit is to get saeed the fuck out of there mm-hmm so he knows. So he knows that it's all it's all gonna come down to Saeed, and he's just like, "Yo, I got kids. I got shit that I could be doing out there, not just being a fucking rabble rouser. I got, you know, you know, like he's. I mean, he's of course he's thinking about himself, um, but like when Saeed took this, he was thinking about him himself too, and then realized after the fact, like, oh shit, this is really affecting people." Mm -hmm. And so when he finds out, okay, me being possibly up for this clemency is causing a rift, he gets chosen for, clem for clemency by the governor. But, you know, he comes up and he does this instead. remain behind, imprisoned, suppressed. I don't just mean my Muslim brothers, I mean every single man that will sleep in here tonight. He was cut off from everything that he loves. Cut off from his own self. You know, as the word went around that the governor was going to give somebody clemency, I saw a rift develop. As each inmate wished himself to be the chosen one. The longing to be free became as palpable as the food that we eat. But it is a meal that I am being served 
right now. And I am Muslim. And Allah does not allow me to swallow certain things. Allah does not allow me to take scraps from the hands of a man such as this. A man who is corrupt and immoral. A man who denigrates the gift of clemency just as he violates the principles of justice. A man that gave the order to cause the death of eight people. And so, Governor Devlin, because even the cost of freedom can be too high, I refuse your pardon. Everybody else is like looking like it's the an and one mixtape, like, oh, son. <laughs> That was a goat speech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just, it did. Like when everybody's going off, he's like, "But I'm not like a rapper this. though." But I'm not a rapper though. <laughs> but Arif is like, "Yo, this nigga just squandered my chance." That's that's not true. I don't think that's it. He was just like, "Yo, he just did that." I think he just did that for me. Well, yeah. I, th- I that's what I got from the look. That's what him. I got from it too. That's what I got from it too, and. That was a goat speech, by the way. It was. And here's the thing. Like, I'm conflicted on this because a part of me is like, yo, you have to, like, some people are built to be martyrs. I'm not built to be a martyr. I would have took my ass out of there and left or tried to advocate from the outside, from the comfort of my own home, because that's how I'm built. But other people are built to shine a light on the injustices in this world. And it takes a certain amount of it, id, id, ego. It takes a certain amount of that in you to be that person. You have to think supremely highly of yourself to think that I can make a difference in the world. Like the amount of self-confidence or close to narcissism that it takes to believe that a single person yourself can make a difference and the injustice in the world, especially when it's something like racism or the criminal justice system, that a single person can do that. It takes a big ego to do that, like Scar was saying. But just because it, it takes a big ego to do something like that, to be that person, doesn't mean that that person still can't be powerful and make a stance. And so from this speech, yeah, of course, you probably get some self-satisfaction out of it. But hey, man, that nigga's going back to jail. And he just read the fucking governor for filth in front of the whole entire New York City or wherever the fuck they are. And it literally said, bro, this dude's so corrupt. I'm not even willing to leave here because this dude is letting me out. Like in any type of media situation, that is going to mean something. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like that was that was a big power play move uh, by Saeed. Especially when held up against what happened a few months ago when all these rappers who were out there probably saying fuck Trump were taking clemency from him and shaking his hand and shit like that. If say little Wayne had got up on a podium and was like, yeah, I'm not going to take this. Like, fuck you, Trump. Like, I, I'm the same dude who put out this Georgia Bush song when Bush was the president. Why the fuck you think I'm going to fuck with you? That would have been incredible. But nobody had the heart. 
Saeed is respected for this. I really just, I really, when this happened, I was really just looking at uh, Arif's face initially. And you're right. He was likely stunned by what he was hearing and what he was seeing. But like you said, I would have gotten out. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. What I and so I that's why I was thinking I that Arif... I can fight this fight better on the outside where I can make those phone calls and I can set up these appointments and I can do all of these things to try to get what I need done, done, as opposed to having to live under the restrictions of being in prison. And so maybe he's not mad at Saeed because like I said, everybody else in the day room is going, oh, and Arif is just sitting there silent. But Maybe he's grappling. Hmm? But I'm not a rapper, though. <laughs> Maybe he's grappling <laughs> with the fact that, like Brandon said, if, if Arif had been in that situation, Arif would have left. And maybe he's grappling with, what am I really here for? Yeah, but that's the thing. with That's like in real life and in the show. Like, that's the thing about these fights. Like, there's two sides. To, there's two. There's multiple ways to fight, right? And mm-hmm. you need all the parts. So, like, when people be like, you don't do shit, you're trying to, you want to vote, you want to play within the system, you're not really about revolution. I'm like, no, you need people to be in the system fighting for you. And you also need activists who don't give a fuck, who's out there in the streets fighting for you, right? You need the people that's willing to go on TV and make uh, make a point and get arrested for it. Or, you know, like, Bree Newsom climbing up there and taking the flag. Like, you need somebody that's willing to put it on the line to make a point or a statement like there has to be people who do both sides and everybody's not built to do either other side so if you're built to do one of those things and that's your and that's where you feel like your calling is to to contribute to that fight then you go and do that and i think saeed realized like he was in a down moment when he was talking to mcmanus but when he walked up there and saw all those reporters and saw those cameras and saw those microphones it hit him like a ton of bricks like are you really about this life or are you not about this life? Like, where do you stand in this fight? And his place in this fight was to be a martyr, to make a statement, to be a symbol. And he made a statement that would make that, if this was real life, that shit would, that shit would be insane. Like if that shit happened in real life, if with somebody who's supposedly famous or, or about like about that, that would be a really, really big deal. In 1999, in 1969, and in 2021. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, I'd have been out of there. I'm sorry. I'd have been like, hey, man, listen. I don't know what you want me to say, bro. They like me. I'll I'll look out for you, bro. Like, you look, I'll call you if you got a case. Like, I'll get you a lawyer. I'll I'll help fight your case. Maybe get your sentence taken down or something. But, hey, man, you want me to stay in here and eat this shit? Did and talk to fucking McManus. McManus stinking ass every day. No, nah, I'm out of here. Like, I'm sleeping underneath you. So when you fart, I smell it. <laughs> you hear the part about me say I got kids too, right? Like, I'm. Yeah. Shit. I don't know what you did, nigga. Your kids may be better off. Nigga, we don't know what he did at all. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. Let me out. Let me try. I could do better than that last nigga you got free. I ain't gonna <laughs> shoot somebody six times at a fucking bookstore. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that part. He said I had to make sure he was dead. Hey, man, 
once you shoot him, you can get out of there and you probably would have got less time in prison. You didn't have to make sure he was dead. That wasn't a necessity to get out of that situation. I'm just oh, no, he was he wasn't gonna be able to get out of what get get away from that because having a gun in the first place was the reason why he got sent back. I'm what? just saying at the point where he's he a felon with he's a felon with a gun. Oh yeah. At the point where the nigga shot him twice, he probably was collapsing. At that point in time, you're now shooting discharging a gun into a crowd. You're a felon with a gun. You're discharging the gun into a crowd. That dude, what if one of them bullets had gone through him and hit the person behind him? The line was tight. And you're high. And you're high. Yep. That's why I got two guns, one for each of them. <laughs> oh, how of crack, too. So after that, after all that stuff, Augustus is putting himself into a casket. Like that's that's the last thing you see in the season. Like Augustus, Augustus, how the fuck you get in there? Upper arm strength? I don't know what happens next, but all I know is Augustus is not getting free. Augustus, he's the narrator. Yeah, they're not about to hire a new narrator. But if they do, it should be Beecher. (laughs) Yeah, he's in a wheelchair too for a while, right? I'm, I, can, I cannot confirm nor deny that Beecher may show up in one of these cutscenes. <laughs> <laughs> a tisk and a tasket. <laughs> Augustus is, escaped Augustus in the casket. To, where is Augustus supposed to go on the run? On the roll? Oh, boy. Where is he supposed to go? At least, like, at least Reberdo's an old-ass white man. That motherfucker can blend in anywhere. He can oh. just go. He can catch, get on a bus, go somewhere in middle America, and they will never find his ass. Ever. Augustus, a black dude with dreads in a wheelchair, they're yeah. gonna find you. Yeah, because we we all we have to do is go to your house and follow your wife. I mean, you can't. That's it. Follow follow your wife. Like wherever wherever she goes is going to be to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that question, Brandon, here's my answer. That nigga coming right back. <laughs> like, people wouldn't even be cheering for him. It'll just be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I just rolled back through. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this nigga coming back will be like the nigga graduating from high school and then coming back to see his favorite freshman teacher. Like, why are you here? What? What? Nigga, I did you that. asked all of I us. Did that. I did that. I like a lot. I went that. Why? I went back. I, well, I went back to see my ROTC teacher, one of my favorite people on the, on this earth. Um, so I went back and I, yeah, I, I went like one time, and one time only. And I was like, halfway through, I was like, why the hell am I here? The the nigga that comes back to see the high school teachers is literally the one who is just not making it in college. They're just not, it's not what they expected. And they just need that stability. Um, right. And that's, that's, what, that's what it was. And so, um, yeah, good luck, Augustus. Like, I didn't see any holes in the casket either. 
Also, I didn't know that that coffins were air were, sealed. I didn't know were, that. Yeah, they they're they're strategic holes, and we got to make sure that you remember. <laughs> but they're I didn't strategic. know that. I, I didn't know that there was no way to open up a casket once it was closed. Because I've seen people push open caskets all the fucking time. No, you have to. You have to. There's a there's a mechanism that you have to. It's like a crank that mm. they use. Um, like they like once they once the once it's down and once they seal it, it's like a crank. I only know this. I only know this because of my aunt's funeral. Um, we had some people came from out of town and they did not get a chance to do the viewing. So at the at the site, they asked to see her, and they had to pull out the crank and get everything moving to get that get the casket back open again. That's the only reason why I know that. <laughs> I, I, I just. Don't let Augustus escape. This nigga had no plans, and all he's gonna do is get his wife in trouble. Don't let him get out. Don't even don't even let him get out for two days. Don't even let there be a dog scene where they show dogs barking <laughs> in the darkness. <laughs> Just let somebody come into the morgue right when he's about to close the coffin, and he's like, "Oh, hey, I fell asleep." You had to grease himself up and slither everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny yet. <laughs> oh my god! All we found were two bodies and a wheelchair. We don't know who escaped. Um, <laughs> Why is there an oil slick coming out of your door? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of season two. I I really I felt it in a lot of ways. This season was more action-packed or had more going for it than the first season um i did however feel that there were things that didn't need to be there there were a lot of one-off inmates uh the whole jiggy walker thing really made me mad yeah um even though it gave the governor a chance to do his swag speech where he was like i'm fucking untouchable now (laughs) right um I felt like 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 the uh, dude who um, Schillinger and Mark murdered in the first couple episodes for no reason. Like they just they brought him in just to die. Exactly. Like I didn't. I, I I don't know. I felt like a lot of the stories didn't need that, but they were needed for the end goal. So honestly, I feel like I'm looking at this recipe and I'm like, why'd you put that in there? And then it turned out tasting good. Like, not spectacular, but it tastes good. But you can barely taste that thing that they put in. It's, like, that's one ingredient. It's the paprika. You know what I mean? Like, because people use paprika on everything because no one knows what paprika is for. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that. And it's like, oh, okay. Do you taste the paprika? No. But I know it's in there because I watched you put it in there. And, I mean, I know that this season, I really, let's do this. Brandon, if you had to really think about it, and I'll give you a few minutes, Scar, you too. Who do y'all think was the MVP of the entire season? Schillinger. I don't even got to think about it. This season is definitely Schillinger. This was Schillinger's revenge. I'm usually usually Team Beecher because, like, this whole thing is about... To me, like, Beecher is the main character of this. To me. Um, Because you see, like, his his complete deterioration of a 
of a person in this place mm-hmm. um, because he's the only one that you see from the very beginning and you get like every step of his journey downward. Um, um, so, but like Schillinger, <laughs> Schillinger this season, bro. By far, yeah. Um, I didn't like all the, I don't like, yo, these new inmates, like they better do something to Metzger. And I, I think I remember that part. And I'm not going to say anything, Scar, don't say anything either. But I'm pretty sure I remember, and if that happens, then it was fucking just whatever happens to Metzger from this point forward is deserved. Whether he gets arrested or he gets, I hope it ain't he gets fired. I really hope he gets murdered. I have an idea. <laughs> I, I, I think, have an idea. I think idea. I remember it too, Scar, and, and, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut about it. I think I remember what happens to him. <clears throat> but yeah, I, th- I think so. I think I remember what happens to him, but I'm not 100% certain, so I will be surprised. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I really don't have any idea where this is going to go in season three, um, except Augustus is going to get caught. <laughs> There's no way it can't happen um, for too many reasons. Like, what's, what's, the, what's the third season going to open up with him sitting in darkness in a casket? Oz. <laughs> like, but yeah, I'm, I'm still enjoying the show. Brandon, what do you think about the show overall thus far? No, I like, the, I love the show. I'm, I want to keep watching. I want to see what happens. I'm, I really, I'm most interested in the Schillinger, um, what, Beecher storyline more than we, anything else. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't mention that after Keller did that, when he went back to his cell, he was just like, fuck, I really just did that. Yeah, he did look like he was salty. I mean, you can't fake feelings like that, can you? He can't. I mean, I couldn't. Honestly, I I couldn't. No, no, he couldn't. Like it, it, it seemed pretty obvious that that scene after he does all of this, he's just like, uh, I don't think I could have did this. Yeah, the I, way he looked in that scene was like when um, Morse Day and the time are making fun of Prince and the Revolution in Purple Rain, and then they just have that one quiet moment where Morse Day just hangs back and he's leaning against the wall and he's just like, looks like, what the fuck am I doing? My life sort of face. Yep. But you know, I really do hope that. Um, El said, I, I hope that Miguel gets his power back. I mean, honestly, I really do like El said, though. I really do. Like, I think that he's fucking hilarious and he's a bully, but he's being played so well by Luis Guzman. I, I want to give props to him. Like, okay. he's probably the best um, special guest, like, actual star that's been on the show, in my opinion, thus far. Yep, I'll say that. I can roll with that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and LL Cool J, no. fuck Jiggy. Um, and the last thing is, I really hope that uh, we get to see uh, something happen to the governor. But like I said, I don't believe that that uh, Alvin or Alvis or Alva. I don't think I know Alva Case never comes back. So. I don't know. I'd love for the governor to go to jail for a little while. That would be great. Yeah, I, I would love for him to end up in Oz. Yeah. So, y'all, um, for Brandon and Scar, I'm, I'm Derek, and this has been season two of um, Return to Oswald. Um, went quick. Damn. 
Like we're on season three already. And again, thank you to everybody who's been listening. Uh, let your friends know about the show. Let us know what you think about the show. 916-633-1537. Um, email address is return to Oswald at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter at return to Oswald. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at that cool blick nerd. That's B-O-K. Um, it's short for black, that cool black nerd. Um, Scar is on Twitter at Scarfinger. And I'm on Twitter at Rashani. So go ahead and contact us. We'll get back at you. Uh, from all of us to all of you, we really do greatly thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Um, y'all have a wonderful day and y'all be good. Peace. Peace out. Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.